Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. I'm program host, Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, yeah, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, you know, the program's designed for someone just like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand, and it doesn't have to be something soul-shaking or esoteric. It might just be something that's on my mind. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, I Casual front porch style talk at the pastor's best way to understanding. And that's what this program is all about. Today's guest pastor is Mark Preuss, who's the pastor of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Laramie, Wyoming. Now, I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, that's area code 314 8210850 if anywhere in north america you can do it toll free at 800-730-2727 pastor Preuss, welcome to the show hey thank you for having me back well we've got our typical st louis weather here almost spring one day subarctic the next as we say here if you don't like the weather wait a few minutes it'll change what's it doing in, yeah. in the Laramie? That's pretty nice. I think it's in the lower 40s. We've had a really warm uh, winter, and I, I didn't get my ice rink up this year, which is kind of a bummer. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had we've had some really intensely cold weather here recently, but now it's uh, right now. I'm looking outside and checking the weather forecast, and it's in the upper 50s right now, and wow. uh, should be good. But once again, on Monday they're calling for the high temperature, the high, mind you, only 31 degrees. So. Yeah, that's nothing. You should stop your whining. So. <laughs> <laughs> you people in Wyoming are strange. <laughs> you know, interestingly, this name Price, you can't be a Lutheran without knowing the name Price. And I bring this up specifically because last week my guest happened to have been Pastor Andy Price. I suspect there's a relationship here, huh? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. What was that? I said my pastor uh, guest last week was Pastor Andrew Preuss, and I was oh yeah, that's, that's my brother. Figured the name Preuss. If you're a Lutheran for more than a month, that name pops up a lot. <laughs> but you yeah, know, yeah, your your brother and I were having a discussion last week, and it was on uh, it was on how the Christian, how the Lutheran should prepare for the end of life. Not, gee, I'm going to die next week. You know, just you know, how are you going to do it? Uh, what what are your concerns? How to handle it? And one of the things that I had mentioned to uh, to your brother was uh, that my mother had always said, who was a staunch Lutheran, my mother had always said that funerals are for the living, not for the dead, which is something I'd firmly believed. However, I got an email from uh, Jean Lutchfeld, uh, and Ms. Lutchfeld, if you're listening, I apologize if I have uh, mistaken mistaken the pronunciation of your last name and she said the lutheran funeral is for the dead too is this true pastor yeah yeah i agree um because there's okay for the living you you preach the resurrection um there, there, there are lots of things that benefit the living in a funeral uh there is the uh because the thing is you have no evidence that this that the this body, this corpse that is in front of you, is going to rise from the dead, except the Word of God. And so the funeral is the opportunity to preach the Word of God, 
to sing it and to confess it and to um, and to remember how God's word pierces into the deepest grief and and shines the truth there. Uh, and so that's that in that sense for the living. Um, also, another thing for the living is that um, and some people don't like eulogies. I understand that eulogies can be abused and basically, you know, when people get up there and talk about how great a person um, the deceased was and the people are sitting in the pews like, well, I knew that person better than you. But uh, the, uh, there's, there's, there's also, you know, the good works that uh, in Revelation it says, uh, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, set the spirit uh, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So it's a time to encourage people that their their good works aren't in vain. That um, that we should uh, we will reap in due time if we don't lose hope, and that we shouldn't grow weary in doing good. Uh, but for the dead, the fact is is that this body has been redeemed, and you see this at the at the burial, um, and uh, where you say, "May God the Father who created this body, God the Son who redeemed this body uh, with His blood, and may God the Holy Spirit who sanctified this body in baptism keep these remains until the resurrection of all flesh." And so you see that funeral is is it's uh, it's for the dead in that it it, it shows that uh, it honors what God has honored, what Christ has honored. And so um, obviously, you know, we don't we don't pray to the deceased and talk to him during this time. Um, but it, it's for the it's for the dead in the sense that we honor the body. Um, this is one of the reasons why Christians. Uh, until recent years, have never cremated the body because they 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 want to honor it and show that it is uh, you know it is valuable. Um, not that it's a sin to cremate, but you know these traditions they teach something. You know, so in that sense, it's it's for it's for the dead as well. Well, when I was thinking, uh, in fact, I was asked this question by a, a Catholic friend of mine not too long ago was, do we pray for the dead? Do we Lutherans pray for the dead? And I was thinking. Gee, you know the the dead has already been judged. That person's either in heaven or hell. Our prayers are not going to matter one way or the other at this at this point. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's 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 the best way to look at it. Um, Luther says uh, that if, if you you know a lot of times there can be uncertainty or you're just filled with grief. That if you're going to pray for someone who is deceased, pray once or twice and know that God has answered your prayer. Mm. But but to pray to him, you know, year after year. I mean, we, we see this in entertainment and movies and books and other things like that, where you stand at the grave and you talk to the person. The, the point is, is that how are you united to uh, someone who is deceased? And if he's a Christian, you are united to that, that person through Christ and, and through your, your uh, dear Heavenly Father. And you're, you're still in one body. You're, you're united to those who have departed and died. Uh, more closely even than um, than uh, than you are to unbelievers here on earth. So so that we go to God and we pray to Him, knowing that we have that unity. But seeking advice, you know, from the dead or other things like that. Um, I have uh, a quiz that I do for the Second Commandment, which is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And uh, and I got it from my dad. But one of the questions is is a true or false question true or false, we should only contact the dead if they are Christians. And it usually gets some chuckles from, from the people. But the point is, is that we, we, uh, uh, we don't contact the dead. Uh, uh, we contact Christ in whom they live. So that's, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're thinking the right thing there. 
So. Well, well, let me throw something out also that's that's from my own personal experience. Uh, I, I mentioned to you, I used to be a, a reporter, a field reporter for a number of organizations. And in the course of my job, I saw a lot of death. I saw a lot of bodies. Mm-hmm. And toward the end of my career, actually, this is one of the reasons why I decided to get out of secular media. I got to the point where I would come across a crime victim, a fire victim, an accident victim, whatever. And I would find myself standing over the body and saying, Lord, accept the soul, accept the soul of thy servant. And now this was a person I didn't know. I'd never seen him before. I didn't know if they were Christian. I didn't know anything about them. But mm-hmm. I was praying that God would accept them. Was that wrong? I don't. I don't. I don't think that's that's necessarily wrong. I think that in moments like that, that's exactly what Luther's talking about. I mean, we we there, there are things we don't know. I mean, it says in Hebrews that there's a time appointed for everyone to die and then the judgment, and so we know that's the case. Um, but just to commend, you know. You know, just to commend the soul to God, that's basically what you were doing, is you yes. commend the soul to God, then that's, you know, it's, it's up to God to trusting in Him in that, in that regard, and you're not, you're not breaking, you're not going against His will. So that's, um, and you know, at times like that, when you see things like that, the, the Holy Spirit moves us to pray. I mean, that's what He does. I mean, that's, when we're facing death, the only one we can turn to is, is God. You know, and this is, Luther has a great hymn that he revised from a medieval hymn, but in the, in the midst of life, we are in death. You know, and to whom shall we turn? You only, you know, and uh, only to God. So that's, that's uh, I mean, I, uh, that's, that's a natural Christian thing to do that, um, you know, as long as you don't start, like, uh, <laughs> uh, having some weird pagan rite there, then it's all right, you know? No, like, it was just... As long as you don't slaughter a chicken and, you know, things like that. So. No. <laughs> No, I just order uh, just utter a very short prayer, and uh, frankly, yeah, I would hope that their souls would would be accepted into heaven. But I didn't know the person might not be a Christian. I, you know, I just didn't know. Yeah. But I would hope that they were saved. Yeah, and God desires all people to be saved, and so you're just, you know, you you're you're going on His will, and you commend it to Him. The uh, yeah, there's. Uh, um, I think also when we when we. Like for example, you have the R R I P rest in peace, mm-hmm. um, and we say, "May he rest in peace." That that also shows that you know we don't want his body disturbed. We uh, we want um, we, we commend his soul to God, um, and uh, you know things like that. Uh, so it's not obviously we don't we don't pray to the saints and we don't pray to the dead um, because God hasn't commanded us to pray and. Be- pray to them and he hasn't promised to hear it. he hasn't promised that they will hear us those are the two reasons why we don't and um whereas god has commanded us to pray to him and he promises to hear us so that's where you know when we talk to our catholic friends and eastern orthodox friends we there's no command and there's no promise from god um with regard to prayers to the saints and so that's you know that's that's where we kind of draw the line and say everything you're doing is is uncertain you know we and Christians shouldn't dabble in uncertainty in times like this. So, yeah, I understand that. Um, and but I said it, it was it bothered me a little bit, you know, in retrospect, because I hadn't really thought about it at the time. I was just hoping that this person would find peace, uh, would find would find glory. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you but you turn to the you turn to God for it, and you commend it to Him. 
so I wouldn't I wouldn't let it bother your conscience. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, if I came upon dead bodies, I would I would probably say something like that as well. You know, and uh, and commend it to God. So, yeah. Well, that brings up another point. Uh, again, I, I think uh, we brushed just briefly with your brother on this thing, uh, and you just mentioned it. It was uh, about the body itself, uh, what the Christian does with the body afterwards, how do we honor it, what, what goes on. Uh, and I do know, as you just pointed out, until fairly recently, cremation was considered a no-no, where, yeah. where now it's, it's, it is, if not recommended, I think it is accepted. Uh, you know, God will, God is omnipotent. He will, mm-hmm. if he can create a body out of dust, he can certainly create one out of my ashes. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, that's, that has always frustrated me, though, because people are bypassing something. I, yes, that is true. So I, I was talking to a Bible class one time, and they, and they, these guys, you know, these pious Christians wanted to cremate because it's cheaper and, um, and less of a hassle, I guess. Um, but they, they just, they were just most concerned that God would could raise ashes up and obviously he can that's not that's not the issue the issue isn't whether god can god can also like if somebody dies at sea god's going to raise that that um decomposed body up to in, in, in into flesh and bone and glorified flesh and bone but the issue is how we view the body and how we treat the body this is what christ has redeemed look at look at what the uh joseph of arimathea bought spices and wrapped cleaned his body and wrapped it. Why? Because he believed in the resurrection of the body. Why were the women at the tomb to bring spices? Because they honored the body. And, and people would say, well, that's just, why do that? It's just going to rot anyway. Why would you do that? Well, argue with the women. You know, why would you <laughs> argue with their piety? They, they honored the body. They, they, it, it, Christ has redeemed it, and God promises that it will, it will be raised. And this is also extremely important today, where people... Don't, they, they, they think their body is a machine, or they use their body for this or this or that. You know, we have with the sexual immorality, not realizing that body is there to serve uh, another person uh, for life, and uh, and and people people don't respect their bodies. Not in the sense of like eating healthy. We have plenty of people who are obsessed with health, but in the sense of they don't realize that its purpose that 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 that, that it is it is uh, its purpose to love is of inestimable value, that God himself, the maker of all things, from whom all goodness and value and worth uh, come, has taken on a body. That shows how valuable the body is. So why would you go burn it? You know, <laughs> like, why wouldn't you treat it with respect? And that's the real issue. You know, it's not, I'm not going to, I would never tell a parishioner or any Christian that you sinned by doing this. I would just say, hey, you know, um, for the same reason, I would tell my kids, "Hey, don't don't put five piercings in your lip, because you're not recognizing the value of your lip when you do that." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I is it a sin for you to put five piercings in your lip? No, but it's not exactly. It shows that you're not really thinking about things. You know what I mean? So it's it's and, and that's what I think is lacking today, and that's why people do it is because they don't see the purpose of it. Like, what's the value of, of doing this beautiful thing of of, of honoring the body? when, you know, the body's just going to rot anyway. It's like, no, why do you see? And even, you know, look, look at uh, our soldiers. And like, like, like Navy SEALs are proud of the fact that they never leave a body behind. If right. somebody dies, they will risk their lives to get that body. Why do they do that? 
because that body is valuable. And even they, even if they're not Christians, they recognize that. And we who are Christians are no better than, than the heathen. We should honor the body. We should, we should show how valuable it is. In that body, in the body of a Christian, uh, in that body, God did good works. The Holy Spirit dwelt, and, and, he, and, God, and Jesus will raise that body with his voice. And, and, and that body is going to stand before the throne of God and sing praises and, and be glorified. So, yeah, I'm, I, uh, and the thing is, too, when people, they, they think it's cheaper, but really you just have to, you, 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 you get a cheaper coffin if, if you're worried about uh, expenses. You know, there are ways to cut expenses. Um, I know in some states you have to embalm, you know, but, uh, which, which is a big chunk of money. But, um, but it's worth it. I mean, it's worth it to honor that body. Um, I, think, I think that these little things that we do just to honor people and, 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 and show what we believe, um, losing them, we don't realize what we're losing. We, we just don't. Well, what about organ donation? Uh, I, I, I am an organ donor. Well, I'll bring it up, up front. It's in my driver's license. And my theory being that my body is a gift for God from God. But if I can use parts of my body to help other people with their lives after I'm through with my body, after God has called me home, that that is a good thing to do. Yeah, I have. I'm actually in a currently. It's like a three-year discussion about this with other pastors, and the two opinions are: one is on your side, you know, like, hey, um, God's going to raise my body. You know, that I put my pieces back together. And, and also, I, you know, Christ gave his life up for us so we can, get, we can help other people live. And the other side is, well, uh, God gave you this body, and that's the body you should use, and, um, and uh, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not obligated, and nor is it wise to take what belongs to your body and give it to another person. And, uh, and so their argument is uh, something along, it's not, blood transfusion isn't the same, in their mind, because blood, you know, is replaceable, whereas another, an organ isn't, it's actual part of your body. So I haven't really figured out what I think about it. Um, I'm still kind of on the fence. Um, I do think that I, I uh, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it kind of relates to end-of-life issues, if you think about it. Like, if I were, if I were near the end of my life, um, obviously you want to protect life, however, um, to, to, to go out of the way to do things that would sustain my life in in a way that would be harmful uh, could be harmful to other people or um, you know stop the natural process of death then I just I don't want that and I'm not saying you know like I'm in, in end of life conditions we always want to uh, keep the, the person alive as long as possible uh, you know and preserve life as God gave it. But on the other hand, you know, if I need a new heart, um, I, you know, this is the heart God gave me. I, I think I would just say, hey, you know, this is, this is the end of my life. This is God's will. But that's, I, I can't speak dogmatically about it, you know. Like, I, I don't know. These are, it's a rough, it's a rough issue. Well, I, I think the argument can be made that our bodies really are not our own. They, they belong to God. Yeah. And shouldn't right. they be used for God's purpose, which is, is, is life. Yeah, that's true. Um, trying to think of the arguments in here, and I'm doing a bad job of representing my uh, my friend's opinions. Um, 
the question is, though, is like, what does God call you or tell you to do and to give? You know, like each, each person's body is his own. And yeah, he lays down, his, like a husband lays down his wife for his wife, and you're supposed to uh, love your neighbor with your body. But does that require, does that require us to, to give parts of our body when we're dead? And I just, I'm pretty sure that the argument is, hey, this is, we should leave it as, as God made it. But I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would be careful, I would be careful with your opinion only in the sense that um, we don't want to make it mandatory. Like, if, 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 if it is love to give up your organs for somebody else, and that's what loving is, then wouldn't it be required mm-hmm. of everybody to be an organ donor? You know what I mean? Like, so you gotta be, you gotta be a little bit careful, and I'm really sorry I'm doing a bad job answering no, no. this, but I'm just, I'm just telling, I don't know, I'm not really... I need to think about it more and, and study it more. So. Well, I have a very dear friend uh, who, I'll be up front, he's dying. Uh, he has been a heart patient for a long time, and he's, he's young. He's a lot younger than I am. And uh, his only hope right now is a heart transplant. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> obviously I can't give him mine. I'm still using it. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but, I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I don't, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't. That's yeah. See, I would never tell a guy he's sinning because he wants to live longer. And if another person's willing to give him his heart, I, I just don't. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah, I know. I mean, and you pray and say that will be done. But I. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I can't really. I can't give you anything uh, better than this. And and. Uh, I'm, I'm a bad pastor. I <laughs> no. <so. laughs> well, I guess it comes down to the individual. And, you know, I, and one thing I fervently believe is that the Holy Spirit speaks. And you always have that little voice or that feeling in the back of your mind that says, yeah, this is right. This isn't wrong. And, and, and I, I think that's not a societally implanted thing as often as not. I think it is the Holy Spirit guiding us as to what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Uh, in the case of my friend, uh, he's not Lutheran, but he is a devout Christian. And uh, he's he can do a lot of good still in life. Yeah, I, well, that's the thing, too, though. I mean, like, I, I mean, as far as the Holy Spirit speaking, we need to be careful, you know, about when we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to us, that it isn't aligned with His Word, because I... I mean, I, I can tell you a gajillion circumstances where people think the Holy Spirit is telling them to do something, mm. and it's just contrary to His Word. So we, obviously, we, the Holy Spirit moves us and gets impulses to do things, um, and and uh, but that's why you know He always works through His Word. So this is why it's so important to know the Ten Commandments and and you know to meditate on this Word because that's going to give you certainty. Oh, yeah. I mean, if that if that voice is telling you to do something in violation of Scripture, you know that's not the Holy Spirit talking. Yeah, that's somebody yeah, else. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, once, I knew a guy one time who said, you know, he left his wife, and he said, well, I prayed to God, and I was, I was like, yeah, well, that wasn't God. You know, I, I can't. So, um, the, uh, no, but as far as, you know, he has so much more to give, my grandpa died when he was 71 years old, and uh, he had... I mean, we, we, I, I talk about it with my dad and about how much more he could have done and how much we needed him, you know, to lead us and to guide us and to teach us. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's very, very hard to say that I will be done when, when you don't know, 
when, when it seems wrong, it seems like, no, this wouldn't, this, it would have been better if you'd have lived another five years even, you know, like something, and, and, and accepting that and saying that God is going to work everything for the good of those who love him is, you know, that's, that's a very hard thing to do. So, but on the other hand, yeah, I mean, you want, this is one of the reasons why we treasure life. Like you say, man, think of all the things you could do. And, and, uh, um, that's, uh, so, so yeah, we're kind of caught in a place where we really are humbled, you know, we're little children, not really knowing exactly what's going on, but trusting in our heavenly father to guide everything, uh, uh, through his son, Jesus, who rules over all things for us. Okay, well, Pastor, we're going to take a little break here, but we got some good discussion going on here, and there's some more to come. And again, we welcome anybody who wants to join in our conversation. You're listening to Let's Talk. The Pastor is in. Changing face of missions is the theme for the 2018 Alma Conference. Connect with peers, partners, suppliers, and mission experts on January 31st and February 1st during the Associational Lutheran Mission Agencies Conference. To register for this two-day Alma Conference, visit almanetwork.org or call 208-660-1818. The 2018 Alma Conference is co-sponsored by the Lutheran Legacy Foundation and the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of International Mission. Friday on Issues Etc. We'll continue our series on the Lutheran Confessions, talking with Pastor Paul McCain about the doctrine of justification. We'll discuss using the wrong measurements when assessing schools with Dr. Thomas Korchak, and we'll talk with Dr. Gregory Scholz about utilitarianism. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Lamplighter Theater launches its biggest production yet. You might even call it Giant. <laughs> Presenting the Giant Killer. Join Fidus in his fight against the giants of sloth and selfishness, hate and untruth and pride. To take down giants like these, Fidus needs wisdom and a special weapon. And so will you. A must-listen for your family to conquer the giants in your life. The Giant Killer. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Your smartphone takes you anywhere instantly. At a click, you can read, watch, or hear just about anything. Some websites are good, some are bad. Some sites truthful, and others are deceptive. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hear the truth of Jesus daily on Worldwide KFUO. Using today's smartphone technology, KFUO brings the gospel to you wherever you are. KFUO is just a click away, 24 hours a day. KFUO.org. On January 27th, the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. commemorates International Holocaust Remembrance Day, marking the 1945 liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp survivors. It was established in 2005 to encourage a worldwide awareness of the approximately 6 million Jews killed during World War II to promote Holocaust education around the world. 
The museum is one of the world's leading centers for research and education connected to the Holocaust. Prominently placed in the museum are the words from Deuteronomy 4.9. Only guard yourself and guard your soul carefully, lest you forget the things your eyes saw, and lest these things depart your heart all the days of your life. And you shall make them known to your children and to your children's children. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. And my guest today is Pastor Mark Poise from Laramie, Wyoming. If you want to join our discussion, you can call us in the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere toll-free in North America at 730-2727. And, of course, you can email us as well. Let's talk at kfuo.org. Boy, we've got a lot to talk about here. We're getting some, some heavy topics here, Pastor. It's your fault. You're the one asking. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another one at you. Uh, another end of life issue. <clears throat> I guess I'm getting to the point. Of, I'm getting to the age where I start thinking about that more and more. Um, when my wife had passed away, uh, she she had been ill for a long time, but she wanted to keep on. She wanted all the treatment that was available to her up until the very very last. And of course, I. Went along with her wishes, and that's what we did. But had it been me, had our roles been reversed, I think I might have been tempted to forgo some of the treatments that she did and just let nature take its course. Now, that's not to say, certainly not assisted suicide. That is wrong. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's wrong. But what about refusing life? Extending, I guess is the word, life ex- extending uh, measures. Yeah, I, I don't think that, like, for example, if somebody, and this has happened, if somebody gets cancer and he doesn't want to go through the whole, I mean, it's, and it's, it's very clear that he's going to die, and he doesn't want to go through the whole chemo stuff, um, you know, and, and prolong his life for maybe a couple months, um, and it would be very painful and everything. I mean, God let him get cancer. I, I, uh, I don't think that he's obligated to to uh, to take treatment that um, you know is, is prevents nature from taking its course. So I I think that you know it's very very hard to uh, you need to take a case by case. I mean it's called casuistry, you know, taking a case by case. But but I I think in that general area I I I don't want to be. I mean. You know, I, I think I would prepare for death better um, with uh, with my senses intact, in mm-hmm. you know, conscious, and and even with the pain and whatever, I would prepare for death better. And and that's what I think is really one of the big concerns, chief concerns, is our whole life is a preparation for death. Yes, absolutely. We should be, we should, we should be ready for death at any moment. Um, as we sing in the hymn, Death doth pursue me all the way. Know where I rest securely. He comes by night, he comes by day, and takes his prey most surely. A failing breath and eye in death's strong grasp may lie to face eternity today uh, as death pursues me all the way. So there's, there's, you have that uh, always in front of you. So when, when you know that you're going to die, or at least the doctors tell you, then prepare to die. And the concern should not be 
a frightful fear of, of getting every last, um, every last moment of life out of you because you have eternal life. Obviously, we, we value life and we preserve it, um, but there's a big difference between that and assisted suicide. Oh, yeah. I, where you don't recognize the value of your life because you're in pain. Well, you still have value even when you're suffering. Life's, life doesn't consist in pleasure and in, in the abundance of your possessions. And, and another thing, too, is I've seen, I've seen people like uh, in the hospital who, who are frantically thinking, well, no, no, the doctors say this treatment might work and this treatment might work. And, and I'm sitting there as the pastor saying, you need to prepare for death. And they don't want to hear it because yeah. they're grasping at these things, you know. That's and what so, happened with I, my wife. Mm-hmm. That, that's what happened with my wife. Yeah, I know, man. It's 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 rough, and that's where, like, I think looking soberly at this, we we can't use our love for life as an excuse for not facing death. And and that's that's uh, I think that's one of the chief issues that gets kind of overlooked in 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 a lot of Christian. Uh, ethics is that you, you, you. The, the point is, the purpose is that you die in the faith, trusting in Christ. You die in confidence that that death is 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 but a slumber. It is the gate to heaven because Christ has 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 conquered death, and through faith in Him, you will you will pass through death's gloomy portal to uh, to eternal life. As Jesus lives, and now is death but the gate to life immortal. This shall calm my my uh, trembling breath when I pass death's gloomy portal. And then there's this, uh, and I don't remember which hymn it is that I'm singing for, I'm quoting from, but there's this line that says, Faith shall cry as fails each sense, Jesus is my confidence. You know, and these, these Easter hymns, these hymns that prepare us for this, this should guide us when we're dealing with these things. I mean, yes, we want to spend as much time with our family, etc. We want to set our things in order, and we want everything to be okay, um, but, but, you know, just being, if, if, it is, if it is the fear of death that is driving us to prolong the life and be desperate for this and that treatment, then, then there's a spiritual problem there that we need yeah. to address. So. Yeah, I know. And that, that bothered me a great deal about my wife that, uh, cause she, she was Episcopalian and was a regular churchgoer, uh, but was mm-hmm. just terrified, just absolutely terrified of death. And, uh, when her... Her priest came to talk to her, you know, prepare for the end. She just, uh-uh, I don't want to talk about it. We're not going to do this. And it was just, and yeah. it was very sad to watch. It was very difficult to see. Yeah, this is kind of, it, it brings me back to, and, you know, that you commend her to God and her baptism and and, uh, and the promises that God made to her. Um, but now is the time Kip, to talk to your wife about God and talk about theology and and, you know, I, every single day, you know, we're baptized. And what's wonderful about being a Lutheran is that baptism isn't just an event that happened a long time ago. It, it saves us in the past, it saves us in the past, it saves us in the present, and it will save us. That is, it brings to us Christ. It joins us to Him. Mm-hmm. Every day we, we die to sin and unbelief, and we rise again to trust in God. And so I'm, you know, a Christian who is living, a, uh, living the Christian life of repentance and faith and pursuing good works, he is very familiar with death already. You know, I mean, you, he, he, you, and we pray that we would come to the point of Paul, where he's like, yeah, I, it's better for me to depart and be with the Lord, but it's better for you that I stay here, you know? Yeah. And, and then he says, you know, whether I live, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. To be able to say that is, is, is uh, you know, that's, that's, 
that's the heart of our religion, that we are confident in the face of humanity's worst enemies. So, Well, I'm... <clears throat> You know, I, I, I like to say I'm not afraid of death, but I will fairly con- confess I am afraid of the process of dying. And uh, mm-hmm. I would certainly do whatever I could in terms of palliative care. Uh, yeah. No, I don't like pain. <laughs> I want to be able to sit out in the porch and watch the sunset and not have my mind distracted by pain. Yeah, you know, and that's the, yeah, the, the thing is, though, is that even, yeah, pain can, can, can can remove, you know, stop us. Really bad pain can stop us from even thinking of anything, you know. And that's that's that's. But the fact is, is that how many times in our in our spiritual walk, when the devil throws our sins in our face, and we, and and we see these things rising up, and we feel absolutely powerless. How strong are our thoughts then? And it's then when 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 we are the most weak that we find that God's word and the gospel is the most strong, and we marvel at its power that it removes us from our heart's unbelief and replaces it with trust in God. And that's what the gospel does. Yeah, because we're weak. You know, there's nothing that we can do for our own salvation. It's been done for us. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing to remember. Yeah, that's the truth in the moment of death, too. You know what I mean? So, like, the Christian life deals with death every day because we deal with sin, and and sin brings death. So that's, Mm. that's why, yeah, that's why even the process of dying should just, you know, we're already dying right now. You and I, we're dying. Oh, yeah. To the grave, you know, so. Yeah, it's funny how you look at those things. Like, you know, I can accept that I might not get home alive today. You know, there might be a Mack truck out there with my name on it. My heart could suddenly explode. Who knows? Those things can happen. And that I can accept. What would just kill me, uh, if you'll pardon the uh, the, uh, twist of phrase there, would Mm -hmm. Be to know that I had something that would kill me sometime in the next six months, that I wouldn't be around for Christmas, but I might be around for the 4th of July, something like that. that would be very difficult for me to deal with. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, it, yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I'm I'm uh, 35, I have eight kids and one on the way, and uh, I want to live so that I can be here for my wife and my children. Yeah. You know? That's why I want to live. And, and the uh, thing is, though, is that, um, the the uh, the pleasures and and things of this world, they're nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah, that's know? the thing that and you got to remember. Yeah, and even even with you know we worry like like, like in my case, what would happen to my kids? What would this or that? People, you know, you what would what would my wife do, etc. That's a matter of trust. We have to commend that to God. You know, He gave them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Job. The Lord gave and the Lord take away has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, that's one of the things that we have to do. We talked about, you know, we're born to die. We're in the process of dying right now. We know that. And as you just said, you know, gee, what do I do with my wife? What do I do with my kids? Well, that's one of the things that we do right now while we're living. And this is one of the things that we are supposed to do as men, as husbands, as Christians, is to make preparation for our family, for our loved ones, for when we're not here. That's why I have a life insurance plan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, it is. Uh, In fact, that's a chore I've got to do this weekend is go over some things like that. Oh, what joy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It really is. Isn't it just like a morbid thing? Writing a will, you know? It's like, okay, this is real. So. Well, you know, in, yeah. in, in journalism, one of the first things they make new reporters do when they started at, uh, either at a, a station or at a, a newspaper is to write their own obituary. Wow. And that is fun. That's a real eye-opener. 
<laughs> I remember the first time that happened to me. I said, you want me to do what? <laughs> do you know something I don't? <laughs> Gee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. So. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think that, um, you know, in facing death, uh, people, people, we, we, I mean, look at how our culture treats death. Mm. You know, like we put people, we, we say, okay, we want better care for them. So we put them in these nursing facilities and, and, and they get lonely and they're not with their family. I mean, no, no culture has ever done this before, except the cultures that basically killed the elderly or, you know, practice euthanasia. Yeah. And like, like the Scandinavians who said, we don't have enough to feed you. you know? I was going to say, sure. hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> Europe. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, the, and but we the, the I think that just re, that reflects on even if people say they're not afraid of death they're terrified of it and they're obsessed with it too I mean look at how morbid and and violent and just I mean just scan through the movies and shows on on Netflix or 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 uh, anywhere else and you'll just see this just kind of obsession with death and it's not because it's, it's because it it, 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 death is the shadow, the veil that is over all the peoples, as Isaiah says. You know, it, 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 it makes our lives futile. And, and in, in, in the current philosophical and religious climate, um, we are living in kind of the age of absurdism, where there's really, really no meaning in life beyond what you make it to be. You're, you're, you're over, you're, there's an overarching meaninglessness, meaninglessness over you, because people don't believe in God, and if they do, he's just kind of like a a therapeutic God who makes you feel good so that you can enjoy this life right now. And, and, and this makes people, on the one hand, obsessed with death, but on the other hand, shove it away from them when it becomes too real. So that's why they put their dying parents away, and they, they, don't, you know, they, they don't want to visit them as much, and, and, and they want to continue to live their lives without that reminder of death in their homes and near them. And, and that, is, that is not something Christians should be doing. Um, I mean, it, 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 it does not reflect well or for bode well uh, for our culture that we are treating uh, those close to death in the way that we do. Well, really, uh, until the last couple of generations or so, you know, the elderly were kept at home. The family unit, the family unit was kept intact. You know, grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. and even great grandma and grandpa would stay with yeah. you. And that's yeah. just not done now. I know. That's where, like, I. You know, I, I remember hearing my when I lived in Germany, my host mom had a, a doctor friend from Korea visit, and uh, she built she built a house and built an apartment there for her parents to stay, and she took care of them. And she had you know when they got ill, she had a nurse or a doctor come in, and you know she she didn't go and buy a, a nice uh, um, you know second house. She invested it all into her parents, you know, and and that was. And, and they were happy that way. You know, they had their own little, um, I mean, that's, and this is, I guess that's just kind of like, it, it has to do with the individualism of our culture or something like that, where we, you know, it's just all for us and, and, and a spouse and children are just like kind of commodities that help us self-actualize ourselves. And they aren't actually the center of who we are in our lives, lives here on earth. But honor, what does it say? Honor the hoary head, honor the gray head, you know, honor your yeah. father and your mother. So, well, I know, um, uh... Well, with my family, for example, my uh, my uh, mother's father died young, and uh, her mother, my grandmother, moved in with us, and and that was the way it was supposed to be, and, and she was mm-hmm. there until the, literally until the day she died. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yep. yeah, I know that's, and it teaches you something too. I mean, when you have, it teaches you about life and what the purpose is and, and, uh, and it, it takes you, you know, we, the saddest people are the ones who are most obsessed with themselves. You know, narcissists are miserable. Mm. It's just, it's, it's just the truth of the matter. And, and we have the gospel and, and can stare death in the face and say, I'm not afraid of you. Um, we're not really showing it very well by our actions. So That's true. Maybe that's something we ought to concentrate, even as early as... If, is, oh, when, when, when you talk about a child, when do you talk to a child about death? Well, I, I don't have children, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, we sing about death and hell and all sorts... Like, I remember... There's a stanza in the hymn, There are many shall come from the east and the west, or a multitude comes from the east and the west. It talks about hell. It taught me. My dad sang it to me when I was a little kid, and I was like, what's hell, you know? Because the fact is, is that you can't, you want, people want to maintain this, this view of, of innocence and, like, that, that the kids don't know horrible things. And obviously, we should shield them from, you know, perverse and disgusting things. But death, death is real, and they're going to have to know it. So I remember when I was, um, um, when I was when I went to my grandpa's funeral, I was eight years old, and my my parents made sure that I went to the coffin and saw my grandpa. You know, like that was I was eight years old, and I saw that, mm. and um, and it was it was it, you know I believed the gospel. I was eight years old. I I, I loved I, I loved Jesus. I knew that that body that I saw was going to rise on the last day, and right there, you know, as a little child, you get that conviction. And but I remember <laughs> this is a funny story. It's actually not that funny. It's only funny because of what the pastor said to me, but I was, and if David Nairns is, is listening, he can, he can uh, <laughs> defend himself later. But I was, uh, so it was like the first Sunday after Easter. So you got all these Easter hymns and these hymns about death. And Craig Sprout, who was the, the, the music director there in, in Norman, Oklahoma, the, this quasi-motogenity is the Sunday after Easter, and it is, it is, it is uh, infamously the least attended service and during the church here, it's really depressing for a pastor. You know, like on Easter, everybody comes, and then on Quasimodogenity, there's nobody there, and it's just really, really annoying. But anyway, the college <laughs> students were there because I was I was the campus vicar, and I started a choir, and uh, and so I had a bunch of college students. And Craig said, "Hey, can I borrow your choir? Because all my choir members are gone." I said, "Sure." So he had him sing this hymn called "Who Knows When Deaths May Overtake Me," and it, it's just a it's a really I think it's like a ten or eleven or twelve stanza hymn on death and how to face death. And, and uh, David Nairns, who is my, my supervisor, uh, great guy, faithful pastor, but he says to me, he kind of chuckled in, in the sacristy, and he said, he's having them sing about death. They're, they're teenagers. They're couches. They're not thinking about death, right? And so, so they sing this beautiful hymn during communion. It was just so beautiful how, how they sang it. And it ends, the, 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 the line, of, or the chorus goes, the refrain goes, uh, um, my, God, my, God, wait, uh, my God, through Jesus' blood, I pray, thy peace may bless my dying day, which is just this beautiful refrain, you know? And then it was the next day that the Virginia Tech massacre happened. Oh, gee. And, and, yeah, and like 20-some college students died. And we had, we had our Bible study on Tuesday, and the college students requested that they sing this hymn, Who Knows When Death May Overtake Me. So, you know, these, you have these young people, and, you know, that's why we draft 17, 18-year-olds, because they don't think about death. You know, they're just going to go do it. Well, that's but, the truth. Um, but, but the fact is, is that teaching young people about death, and I was talking about with another campus pastor about this, uh, Joshua Hayes, about how we need to teach, maybe it was him, I don't remember, 
but we, we need to teach people about death. They need to have, they need to realize it because it's, it's not just because they might die at any moment, but because it really defines, I mean, literally defines that it sets a limit to the end of our earthly lives. And so we need to redeem the time because the days are evil, you know, make the most use of the time. That's why when you're afraid of like knowing in six months, you're going to die because you're like, oh man, there's so much time that I want to, I want to use this time for good, you know? And, and, uh, and really, you know, redeem the time. There's a, I don't know if you know the country song, it's, it goes, I hope someday you get the you chance, chance to live, to live like, like you are dying. dying. Yeah, to- yeah, is that Toby right. Keith, I think? I don't remember. Oh, I love um, that song. But yeah, I've quoted it from the pulpit a couple times, because that's what a Christian does anyway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what we do anyway. Well, so, I read an interesting... I read an interesting uh, uh, article, not interesting, but I mean thought-provoking, uh, where the uh, the writer was saying, you know, people want to wait until the eleventh hour before they get right with God. But what happens when they get called at ten <laughs> thirty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that's and that's also like um, in the parable of Jesus, where the guy has a bumper crop and he says, "What do I do with all this? I don't have enough room. I'm going to build new barns, and I'm going to say to my soul, soul, eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy your life." And then God says to him, comes that night and says, you fool, today your life is required of you, and who will share the goods that you trusted in, you know? And mm. it's, just, it's just why, you know, like the, the stuff, we, 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 we fret and we worry about all this stuff that is going to be taken away. Um, there's a great Lutheran hymn called, All, De- all Depends on Our Possessing, God's Abundant Grace and Blessing, Though All Earthly Wealth Depart. He who trusts with faith unshaken by his God is not forsaken, and heir keeps a dauntless heart. And, and uh, in fact, David Nairns used to quote this from the pulpit, since I brought him up already, but um, it's, uh, Many spend their lives in fretting over trifles and in getting things that have no solid ground. I shall strive to win a treasure that will bring me lasting pleasure, and that now is seldom found. Mm. And it is seldom found, you know, that's, but we redeem the time, Kip. That's what we do. Every day, every work that we do in, in faith toward God is, 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 is precious and good, and, and we should be assured of that. I think this is something you and I, as, as adults, understand. I'm not sure that it's true of, uh, say, teenagers. Uh, I, in fact, I even mentioned the story to your brother last week. Uh, when I was, uh, I guess it was 19, 18, 19 years old, uh, I was in a, a really bad motorcycle accident, and uh, I remember the half second before I impacted, thinking to myself, "This is it, I'm gone." And, mm-hmm. and then I, I wake up on the uh, other side of the car. Uh, it's a whole other story there. But the thing was wow. is that prior to that time, I knew intellectually that I could die, but you know, I didn't really believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I was, I, I, it was, it struck me, but you know, that happens all the time. You know, like I, I was in, I was in church and, uh, where was it? I don't remember. I got to go to symposia last week and so I heard a bunch of sermons, but somebody was preaching in the last week about death and it just really, really struck me. You know, you, you just really kind of think about it, like the end, like your body dies, all mm-hmm. the things that you're using. It, it, you can't see anymore. You can't hear anymore. You can't smell. You can't think. You know, it's just, it's just that's what death is. And and it's 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 uh, one of the verses.
essence of that hymn that the college student sang says, my end, my end, sorry, my daughter's really happy right now, and she, <laughs> ha- she shows her happiness by screaming. Don't complain so, about a happy child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it says, my end to ponder, teach me ever, that ere the day of death appear, uh, appears, I cast my soul on Christ my Savior, nor spare repentant sighs and tears. My God, for Jesus' sake, I pray that peace may bless my dying day. And that's where, like, that when God gives you that realization um, that, you know, hey, I'm going to die, redeem the time. Yeah. This is, you have a little bit of time here, and, and God says that your good works are precious. Even if they seem ordinary, even if they don't make you happy in the moment, God says that they're precious when they, when they are done through faith in Him. Well, I can look back at, at, at my accident, and I can say, you know, this, this was a gift from God. He gave me an understanding that I would never have had otherwise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I didn't see it that way at the time, but no. (laughs) Well, people, and that that happens in all our Christian life. Like people, somebody loses his job or something, and he worries about how he's going to provide and all these other things, and then later on looks back and saw that God used that to make him not value all of these earthly things so much and to seek him. And he has has a, he's much happier. He has a greater reward from God by seeking God and not stuff and mammon, you know? So it happens in all facets of Christian life, where God takes something from us and 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 or, or or frightens us in some way, and it just jolts us back to the reality of who we are and who God is and what we really should be thinking about. Well, Pastor, we're coming into the final minute of the program. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or observations you'd like to make? Yeah, I I I really exhort all the pastors and 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 the Lutherans listening to sing Easter hymns um, more often. You know the, the hymns. Look in the, look in our hymnal. Uh, one of the great things about LSB, our, our Lutheran service book that we use now, is that at the Lamb's High Feast is a communion hymn, and that way you can you know people sing it more often. And that's a, at the Lamb's High Feast we sing is a wonderful funeral hymn, and we should sing it a lot. And other Easter hymns that teach us this hope and put death before our eyes only to have us shout it down by confessing that Christ is risen and we will rise with Him. So that's that's kind of I would thanks for letting me get that little stuck. <laughs> I want to thank you very much for that. This has been a great conversation. You've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in, and today's guest was Pastor Mark Preuss of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Laramie, Wyoming. Now, every Friday, a pastor sits in with me for a friendly chat about well, whatever whatever's on our minds and whatever's on your mind too. So if you have a question or a comment about the program, email it to let's talk at kfuo.org or you can call in in the St. Louis area at area code 3148210850 or North America at 800-730-2727. I want to thank especially the Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk the Pastor is In. Pastor Bowie's music is available on Amazon.com. I'm your host, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings. You've been listening to The Pastor is In. A weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in. 
on Worldwide KFUO.